Uh, Bobby, can you burp the alphabet? Hang on, could you? I you just. I'm put... not asking for a demonstration. No, no, no. <laughs> Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, your twice-weekly podcast celebrating the podcast Too Beautiful to Live. In Pawtucket, Rhode Island, I'm Bobby Pape, and joining me back after a couple of weeks away, at least for me, Meredith, all the way Mayhan in Dallas, Texas. Good morning, Meredith. Good morning, Bobby. And in New Brighton, Minnesota, a TBTL donor of the day this week, Ann Lundholm. Good morning, Ann. Ooh, New Brighton. more on that in a minute actually i don't know that there's that much more on that specifically but more on your weekend review in a minute first some lrb business housekeeping and how you can get involved with the show starting with some business guys before you listen to this show if you haven't listened to fridays yet please go back and do that especially because i fixed it if you downloaded friday's show friday morning like a true wagoneer first thing And it just sort of cut off mid-conversation about 44 minutes in. That's my fault, and I'm sorry. Uh, Technical glitch. But um, I've re-uploaded that episode. The last few minutes are there now. Uh, And please do go back and listen, because Mike Frizzell, the man who hates music, defended his iPod, a la TBTL, to Amy Shepard at the Earbuds and Earworms podcast. It's an episode of their show from back in April. We re-aired it on Friday uh, to share it with all of you, because we know that you're still catching up. Uh, from your mic withdrawal the last few months, and we wanted to help with that. So uh, get a listen to Mike defending his iPod on Friday's show, a special edition sharing an episode of Earbuds and Earworms. On to bingo and Lundholm. Yes. We're going to play some bingo. We are, as listener Burton said to me, DTB, down to bingo. <laughs> <laughs> We're ready to go. I spent some time yesterday or the day before. I don't remember. Uh, Everything is ready. The bingo cards are made. The emails are in draft form. All I have to do is hit send and everyone will get their very own personalized bingo card for Monday morning. Jump right in. Get started. Yay. I know. I'm actually a little bit sad on the timing because as I was listening to this last week of TBTL, I was like, God damn it, there are so many bingos here. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to cost us a fortune, isn't it? Probably. There's just so much merch. It's going to fly out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So tell tell us, how was the response? So first of all, the official email for this is... Uh, very official, tbtlbingo at gmail.com, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, good. Uh, how has the response been both to Square submissions and people who want to play? We have a good crop of people who want to play. About 50 people sent me emails saying, I want to play. Uh, there is still time, guys. I made a few extra cards. And so if you're listening to this on Monday morning and you're like, oh, God, I meant to do it, send me the email and I'll quick whip you up one no problem uh and we have a good uh stock of bingo squares i think i ended up at about 45 and some of them are a little harder some of them happen every single show so hopefully it'll be enough to get the job done all right so stay tuned listen for those hot dog stories and every time emails are deferred and everything else yes (laughs) for the um hot dog story square i put in parentheses use your best judgment (laughs) 
<laughs> you get to decide what a hot dog story is. <laughs> well done. Uh, very good. And um, and how do we – so remind people how to how to let us know when they think they have a bingo. How, what do they have to do to win? They have to send back their completed bingo card to the TBTL bingo uh, email. And then they have to call our voicemail, identify themselves, and holler, bingo. It does not count until you do that. So, and I put these guidelines in the email to you along with the voicemail number. So you have no excuse for not doing it. This is the part I am most looking forward to. So do we have to um, cite our sources? Are you going to check our work is what I'm asking. Like, is this really a bingo? Do we have to write down the date and the time and the episode and the thing Mm -mm. that they said? Okay. No, because I'm going to track it. I assume, yeah, Anne's probably playing along with a master bingo card. Okay, good. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And and there will be no arguing with me if I I decide that We need to set some guidelines here. (laughs) The the guidelines are um, Anne's word is law. And if you argue with me, then you're disqualified. So there. Love it. Pretty sure I just heard a little Jen Flass Andrews come through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, she knew what she was doing. Anne's just practicing to run a Song of the Summer. <laughs> oh, believe me. If I was in charge of Song of the Summer, we'd be doing it quite a bit differently. <laughs> yeah, I bet. We don't have time for that right now because we have to finish the show before I lose my voice. So other updates. Meredith, you're with us. Uh, last time you and I spoke... Uh, we were still trying to find out if the government would let you help save Houston. Right. And um, so I've made myself available. I gave them all my availability times. Uh, I filled out the, all the right Google forms. I passed my background check. Uh, you'll all be surprised to know. And uh, they still haven't called me. So I guess Houston's fixed. Yay. That's all I conclude from that. <laughs> <laughs> don't listen to what Eddie in Houston tells you. <laughs> It's fine now. They don't need me anymore. So, yeah, I've just had a couple of nice weeks off. Um, not much happened. Uh, had my eighth anniversary the other Aww. night. We went out to a nice dinner, so that was really fun. Some rare um, pictures of Duff on the social media. Yeah, we had a little bit of a picture fight that night um, because he took a really terrible picture of me on my phone when we first sat down and uh, accused me of, of not paying attention to him and him not being interesting after eight years of marriage. So I... Um, had my phone on on the ready and so every time he picked up his i took a picture and, and posted it i feel like him, so accusing, him accusing you of him not being interesting anymore is is an accusation in the wrong direction <laughs> right well there are four <laughs> fingers pointing back at him right uh very good and i have a question for you that's not on the run sheet but are you yeah. what, what, what are you baking these days we just haven't gotten into it in a while i know there's a whole different podcast about baking now and so maybe the burden has been lifted on us a little bit but you are in the stick of butter studios and i always forget to ask what's up oh it's a bad scene this morning because i made cinnamon rolls yeah it sounds and I terrible thought, i know they're for tomorrow and i thought <laughs> why did i bake them on sunday morning oh so i can eat one so i had already eaten my full breakfast and then i thought oh just have a cinnamon roll too no i'm not feeling that great Mm. because of it (laughs) it was delicious going in but things are a little crowded in there right now (laughs) remind me um do you have a uh, your own office at the university or do you have like a cubicle open space setup what's your situation they're open cubicles i just because i picture 
um, like cartoon scent lines wafting off your section <laughs> in Monday morning and everybody else just following their noses to your cubicle. I have a lot of people that come walking slowly past my cubicle on Monday mornings and they kind of crane in the corner where they know that I, I put the containers to see if they can get an advance hint on what, what we've got. Well, uh, I hope they enjoyed their cinnamon rolls, but you beat them to the best one, obviously. I hope so. I mean, they're not poison. I can tell everybody that now. I mean, (laughs) unless it's time delayed, in which case, watch out for Uh the end of the podcast. We're really on a timer today, then. (laughs) Bobby's going to lose his voice and Anne's going to keel over from cinnamon rolls. Sorry, I'm just picturing, I like like the slogan, they're not poison. I think that should be on a sign (laughs) on your food every Monday. (laughs) Uh, one more thing before the weekend review, uh, and uh, can we get um, a throw your phones update? I know there's a lot that are going to be in the process of the week, but there's one from listener Megan that clearly needs to be covered now. Yes. A few weeks ago, I just mentioned a little shout out to Megan, who has a brand new baby boy. And it turns out that uh, being a mom means that maybe you don't get all your podcasts listened to the day that they come out anymore. And so Megan was doing some catching up and heard our shout out to her. And so she decided to um, help baby Brennan write a top 10 list for us. The top 10 <laughs> signs that I'm already a 10 and Wagoneer at the age of four weeks. So here we go. Number 10. Mom has me listening to quite a bit of TBTL and LRB already. Number nine. I've been known to get a little tired and emotional, especially if I hit the bottle pretty hard. Eight, I pulled a pretty big spoof already by coming five plus weeks early. Seven, I mean to tell you those sounds were indeed coming from my (laughs) body. Number six, I got a shout out already on the show. Rar. Number five, it's easy to get me to fall asleep. Just skip ahead to the Dreamcatcher segment. Number four, Brennan. (laughs) Number four. I am already generating many poop stories. I bet you are. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Number three, even though I don't have a phone yet, I waved my arm furiously when I started hearing about intermittent fasting in that damn Subaru commercial again. (laughs) Number two, currently, I almost fit into the TBTL lunchbox. And number one, I am so on board with the little red bandwagon. Anne, Mike, Bobby, Meredith, Phyllis, and the nice lady are the best. Aw, Brennan, you have such good taste. And I was thinking about this, and I don't necessarily want LRB to become like baby announcements are us, but I don't want anybody to think that we play favorites with babies. So I have been seeing a lot of really cute brand new baby pictures from Sarah Nichols-Smith's facebook feed too i believe baby ryan has entered the world as well so congratulations sarah Mm -hmm. babies babies everywhere i like it yeah we really um we're missing the boat on the merch opportunities for this we need lrb binkies lrb uh uh onesies lrb little bibs yeah yeah, bibs absolutely there's a, there's a lot of potential here. We got to get Jeremy. Get on it, Jeremy. <laughs> we gotta, <laughs> right before we started rolling, we were talking about how Jeremy's finally starting to pull his weight around here. <clears throat> this should help. Uh, and by the way, my only updates are that I'm getting over a cold, and I'll spare everyone the details on that. Yeah, but we this will. is a good thing because 
uh, it'll be done with before you go to Aruba, right? Yes. Yes. We're recording on Sunday Perfect. morning, and it's just after 11 a.m., and in exactly five days, our flight will be pushing away from the gate right now. Not that not, you're um, counting, not that that you're counting, counting the down. minutes. <laughs> Only five uh, more so sleeps. I won't be on the show next week, guys, because I'll be in Aruba, drunk, not thinking about you. Uh, in fact, uh, Sam scheduled us a an outdoor couples massage specifically for Sunday morning because we're not recording the podcast. Whoa. Oh. <laughs> hey, when I was drunk in, in a tropical paradise, I thought of you guys the whole time and I sent you a voicemail. So I want to hear from Aruba is what I'm saying. Okay. You got a voicemail. All right. I'll see what I can do. Uh it doesn't have to be Sunday morning. I'll be. I'll see if I can pencil it in. I guess that's my point. Mm, okay. All right. All right. On to our weekend review, starting with Monday, twenty four seventy five. A case of the Sundays. Luke is back home after a whirlwind week. There's a little bit of self congratulatory newsletter talk, uh, and a reference to Christy and calling our show the Little Red Baggin. <laughs> Again. <laughs> I feel like they've done this before. Yes. Uh, because they're too cool to know anything about our show or listen to it. That's yeah. fine. Hi, Andrew. Um, <laughs> speaking of Andrew, Andrew went to a Mariners game uh, and was grumpy about it, uh, but then had fun, which I think is kind of the story of Andrew's life when he leaves the house. Right. Yep. Yeah, I was going to say, let's just leave that Mad Lib blank and we can reuse mm-hmm. it. We can't do Mad Libs until we get done with bingo and one game at a time. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Oh, Mad Libs would be fun, though. Yes. We could be on to something here. Hold on a second. Uh, I'm going to just put this in the follow-up file. TBTL Mad Libs. Andrew went to a noun and was grumpy about it, but then had fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I see our next fundraiser merch. Mm -hmm. Um, On his way, Andrew got stuck on, he said, I think a train. He must have meant the light rail and actually put on his reporter cap and emailed the Cairo news tip line to let them know that the train was stuck. And then proceeded to keep everyone on the train car abreast of the situation. That's really weird, guys. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> Some rando giving traffic updates standing in the train? That's kind of weird. I don't know. I can, you know, when there's, when you're on a, you're in a confined space like that, like a plane or a train or something, and something happens, you all become best friends temporarily. Uh, excuse um, me? No. Shared experience? Uh-uh. No. <laughs> no. Okay. I, don't, I, don't talk I can see to that strangers. happening. Well, I wouldn't talk to him. I would listen. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, Luke, uh, this got them talking about radio history, and Luke started reminiscing about doing some side work in high school for a radio personality in Seattle named Tom Glasgow. Um, basically, coming in and doing free labor for this guy, pulling sports clips, um, but an educational experience for him. Luke always talks about how he has no idea how he got here in life, but then there are these little stories where mm-hmm. you realize he actually kind of groomed himself quite nicely for where he ended up. That was a sweet story. Yeah. And that Luke finally realized, oh, he probably didn't need my help. He was just being nice and helping <laughs> me out. Exactly. Uh, we then get our donors of the day, including one and one home. Congratulations. Oh, my gosh. And I got missed last year, you know, so they tacked me on at the very end with like the oopsies people and that was only a couple of months ago so i just feel so special that i actually got remembered 
I've been uh, spending my evenings looking up at the moon, wondering if they're ever going to remember me. Oh, Meredith. It's okay. Probably not. Look, Probably not. Look yeah. at the upside, though. Uh, Houston's fixed. Right. Before Top Story, although it's probably the top story in our hearts, we get Carrie on the line, uh, f- on the phone from the Mod Pizza in Bellingham. And he, she's busting on Luke for calling her, I think this is a direct quote, big on hand towels. <laughs> <laughs> There's something to get upset about. <laughs> I really like that Carrie's decided to push back on a few more things lately. Yeah. I just like it when she's on the show so she can complain as much as she wants. Mm-hmm. Uh, this all stems from Luke not being able to tell the difference between pool towels, dog towels, cleaning towels, uh, and human body shower towels. Uh, and the guys decide that they're going to work on some rhymes to try to figure out which towel should be for which, including if the towel looks flashy, it's meant for being splashy. That's how you know <laughs> it's a pool towel. And if the towels are dingy, give them to Tony Dungy. I don't get that at all. Who is that? (laughs) Uh, Tony Dungy is an NFL commentator on TV and a former NFL coach. Um, Longtime uh, Indianapolis Colts coach and player. And he doesn't like clean towels? That part doesn't work. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. You're not missing anything on that part. Okay. Uh, it was so, just a struggle, I think, to find something that rhymes with dun- uh, dingy, so which dungy last... doesn't, by the way. No, it doesn't. Right. Well, it's a half rhyme or something. So last week when we were talking about this, Mike was kind of arguing that it's understandable that Luke might get mixed up and how you have to make sure that your different kinds of towels are look really differently so that you don't make mistakes. And Carrie described those pool towels as being like really colorful and vibrant and, and pooly. So I was like, Oh, okay. So now it's a case of not a case of not knowing. It's a case of not caring. Well, it was, there was a learning curve in my house. Cause well, we don't have a pool. Um, and I think we own maybe a beach towel cause there's no beaches here, but we do have shower towels and dog towels that are separate. And the very easy way to keep them apart is all the shower towels are white and all the dog towels are not. So it's pretty simple. Yeah, we have a a relegation process. So all of the towels that at some point were my cheap ass shower towels, probably from before I met Sam, are now the sort of utility thrown on the floor when it's raining by the back door Mm -hmm. towels. Um, And then she tries very hard to buy nicer towels that I would never dream of throwing on the floor because they're too plushy. Right. So, you know, I go by touch mostly, but I think I'd know better than giving someone a towel with paint matted in it. Mm-hmm. I would hope um, so. Sim- similarly, I don't think I would use a shower, like a towel with a giant flamingo or something on it, getting out of the shower. Yeah. When I think of pool towels, they're usually pretty uh, bright. Well, they're huge. Right. Now, I am very picky about my towels, um, despite the fact that I didn't used to be. Now that I'm an adult, I do like the biggest possible fluffiest bath sheets so i do mm-hmm. like gigantic huge towels but um you know i want something with more substance than a pool towel mm-hmm. so you know standards help i think the real top story for monday um luke 
doesn't like going to the movies. Oh, no, wait, this still isn't the real top story. But Luke doesn't like going to the movies, uh, which leads to a conversation about the disaster artist. And I did not. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I I don't have a Tommy Russo um, inkling. Like, I just don't have it in me to do the impressions of of that. That's okay. We get it uh, plenty from TV Tale. Fair enough. Is that a bingo square? I did not. Yeah, Anne. No, it is not. God damn. Well, it. I have a, I have a feeling this is not the last time we're going to do this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, On to the real, real top story from Monday. A student at Indiana named Lucas Caver. Caver. They pronounced it Caver, which is Caver. unfortunate for someone who got stuck in a cave. Yeah. Uh, Lucas Caver uh, got stuck in a cave for three days when the caving club went and then locked him in and left because they apparently don't know how to do a head count. Um, my question from this whole story is, would you sue? Cause they want to know if he think they think he should sue the school or, you know, it's not cool, right? No, no harm, no foul. So it's okay. I think that was the TBTL landing. Almost dying is a harm. I think. Yeah. Um, just the, because he, the, their take on it was because he wanted to go back to his dorm means he was medically fine, which is Versus really dubious. In shock. Yeah. yeah. Severely dehydrated. <laughs> Need an IV quickly. Uh, no, I don't think I would sue. Uh, well, I'd probably never go back in a cave, though. Who are you going to sue? Are you going to sue the student caving club? I mean, they don't have any money. Are you going to stu- right. sue the university? They didn't have anything to do with it. I don't understand who's getting punished for this. Well, um, when I was working in student government, student government had a good amount of money. Uh, You know, if the club's associated with that or something, or, you know, there's probably a way to sue someone. There's always a way to sue someone. Yeah, it would probably roll up to the university, I would assume. Some insight into Andrew comes up in this where he has a daily reminder on his phone that goes off that just says, be better. Which is compared to Luke, who's had, quote, grind as an appointment on his calendar for the last three months. I don't know. I I can see how this strategy would be appealing, but I've done stuff like this before. And after, I don't know, the third time, I just ignore it. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, like, oh, yeah, that dumb thing again. Whatever. This is clearly not a smart goal, right? Be better. No. <laughs> I think you might have a better chance of success if... He came up with something slightly more specific. Subjective, measurable, attainable. Well, it just mm. wants to be better, guys. Sure. Yeah. I mean, he had some serious logic behind it. He wants to be more productive. He wants to slack off less. But yeah, lists are good. I make lists. That's kind of my thing. Um, I don't do be better. But if I'm running around doing something and I think of something for work, I'll set an alarm on my phone uh, for like 11 o'clock the next weekday morning as a reminder to go, hey, go do that. So I'll just say, hey, Siri, sure. go remind me to do this. And so they're always really weird, short words. And then when the alarms pop up, nobody around me knows what they mean because it's just something I hope I remember. Um, I also make a lot of Sunday night lists. So like before I go to sleep, I write down all the stuff I want to accomplish that week. Not really like high-minded things but like oh hey i have to do this thing for work or take this book back to the library it's just my way of being organized for monday morning so i can get a good start um grind is definitely not on my calendar though (laughs) (laughs) um 
a friend of a friend of Andrew uh, sort of indirectly uh, called him out for smoking. He caught Andrew lighting up and just was like disgusted <laughs> by it. I mean, it's disgusting, but that's kind of seems a bit rude. Yeah, that's a common reaction. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just I think been a while since he heard someone just so abruptly do that to him. <laughs> uh, and then we end the regular portion of Monday show by emails being deferred. Bingo. So, bingo. bingo. <laughs> uh, and the brownie story from last week being deferred again. More on that in future days. Uh, in the no-point conversion, Seattle lost to Tennessee last week, but uh, Luke still feels good about the team. Um, he is confused about how uh, penalties and calls work. I'd rather not have to explain that in detail right now. Andrew was in the Browns bar, but got bumped from his TV by Green Bay Packers fans um, and was pretty upset about it, but not upset to actually really do anything about it, just upset enough to be angry at everyone about it. I'm just upset to throw a tantrum and then sulk. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't I don't understand. I, I mean, I guess he's come and he's picked his spot, but uh, I don't know. I, I, it must be a sport thing that I just don't understand. No, it's not. I like sports. This isn't a sports thing. Um, be better, Andrew. <laughs> that's my advice. Uh, correction that Selena Gomez is American, not Canadian. She was mentioned earlier in the thing. Doesn't matter. Uh, and Luke has double sadness because both Seattle and Cleveland lost. And he's sort of regretting rooting for two teams that are both not doing very well. Uh, and that's about it for Monday. All right. Oh, I did write down one thing. Uh, Andrew said in that whole uh, bar tantrum story, he said, it's really hard being bossed around by a guy in a fedora. <laughs> 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 Which made me laugh because that is true. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird thing. So this sports bar, I looked it up because it has such a weird name. Uh, I think it's yeah, Art Marble 21. Which sounds like it should be a wine bar, not a sports bar. Mm -hmm. But if you Google it, it comes up as restaurant and sports bar in Seattle, Washington. Um, maybe he just needs to go somewhere that isn't super hipster douchey. Well, remember, uh, Luke gave it a new name, the Fart Marble 21. So <laughs> we're using that from now on. Are we? Do I have to? Only you know what's good for the show, Bobby. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> All <laughs> you right. Remember, I cut the show off 12 minutes early on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to Tuesday, number 2476, Uncle Chuck Harbinger and the case of the Tursk Rervert. Okay, that's <laughs> funny, guys. <laughs> Uh, so Luke is at um, Walsh, Walsh and Dormat, I guess, with the live wire season ramping up. We'll have a lot more in-person shows these days. Um, Luke's day is so jam-packed full of things that he has to get done that Carrie packed him a lunch and he loves it. It's he so says sweet. that this is the most primal way to show that you love somebody. And everybody knows my love language is sugar. So I agree with that wholeheartedly. He says... This is the first time that somebody has made lunch for him since he was 11. And it includes the obligatory I heart you post-it note, some Dukes, some seltzer water, a Diet Coke, some cauliflower rice with chicken, and a cheese stick. And Andrew retells uh, the story 
about his dad packing him the snack bag of M&Ms with the note that says, one of these fell out the floor. Don't eat that one. Which is great. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Good dad joke. Yep. And uh, then that gets them more to talking about lunches in childhood. And Luke, being the crack father that he was, gave Addie Lunchables. I don't know. There was a point in my life when I would have given anything to get a Lunchable for lunch. They just oh, seem yeah. so cool. And I was not was... allowed to eat that sort of stuff. Oh, no. I think our moms were cut from the same cloth in that yeah. regards. We were very much, you want a snack, eat an apple kind of a household. Oh, yeah. We but, ate junk food, but we never spent the money on something like uh, something like that because we would have all those ingredients. So my mother would exactly. never, you know, it wasn't about healthy. It was just about being frugal. I think it was both for my parents. Like they always had lunch meat and crackers and cheese. There's no reason they couldn't just put them together. But right. they never did. It was always a whole wheat, uh, peanut butter and jelly and an apple for lunch. Mm. So, yeah, Lunchable would have been exotic. I didn't oh, get packed so cool. lunches. But I got I pack Sam's lunches sometimes now. It, it, not really pack because she just takes like a frozen healthy meal. But I have a ritual, so she has an eyeball shaped um, lunchbox that I of got. Of course, her. she does. <laughs> That's appropriate. And we put the frozen lunch in it, and then an applesauce cup, and then a spoon, and some sort of dessert, whatever little thing we have that I can put in there. And she messaged me last week because she packed her own lunch one day, and just said, I need you to pack my lunches because I don't have a spoon or a dessert. <laughs> uh, so that's my part. I was thinking about this. Carrie packing his lunch and putting Dukes in a cheese stick in there says, I love you, but I hate the people around you. <laughs> no, she's supporting his low carb grind. Right. Oh, boy. <laughs> Clearly she's there. They must have a shared calendar. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, so this takes Andrew into a discussion of how much he hated watching people eat handy snacks. I scoopable processed cheese product skeeves him out, I guess. And I can't say I disagree with him on that, uh, which gets them into talking about, well, Luke brings up fun dip because that's another thing with a little included spoon in the package and that gets them into edible cutlery and andrew thinks that edible cutlery is going to be the next frontier and that takes luke back into something that he's ranted about before which are the compostable spoons that melt from the heat of your soup that's classic tbtl is what that is this yeah. is this is the best way to get Luke to like your tweets, by the way. If you just reiterate his joke back to him, <laughs> he'll like it. So I was uh, – I had a coffee on Friday from a hipstery coffee shop on the campus at Harvard University, not to brag. And uh, it came in one of those um, compostable cups with the potato starch lid. And mm -hmm. I took a picture of it and I tweeted it at Luke and I just said, objective, finish coffee before lid melts. <laughs> and that got a that got a like out of him. <laughs> yeah. Then there's this whole thing about Mitch Hanniger, Mark Harbinger, which I could not be bothered to write down, other than it was something about the city of Seattle's sustainability compostable program and Mitch Hanniger being misnamed as Mark Harbinger. But I have to mention that because they use the whole harbinger thing throughout the the rest of the episode. Uh, there's a th weird thing about how they get excited about something Andrew refers to as a ring out uh, from a, 
a previous track that's on the very beginning of the mellow hold music for the donors, which I still can't hear. So I guess that's for our audio professionals to get yeah. excited about. Farm, uh, to- tell us what's up with that. Yeah. No kidding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a top story is that the Kevin James sitcom killed off the character of his wife in order to make way for the return or I guess the introduction of Leah Remini, since they had such good chemistry on King of Queens all those years ago, they just dropped the wife to the side of the road and brought her back on. I mean, why can't we have two lady characters on a show? I don't understand. But there you go. And that uh, leads to tangent number one uh, from Luke about how his Uncle Chuck gave Susie season three of King of Queens, even though it's not the best season, <laughs> and how that's an illustration of, of I guess, their cheapness, <laughs> that that's the, the season that they could get for, for cheap. So that's what he gave her. Um, and then talking about Uncle Chuck leads to tangent number two about how Uncle Chuck bought something that Luke characterizes as a screen pagoda, like a metal screen pagoda or something from Wayfair. And then they contracted with Handy.com, not Tursk Robert, uh, to <laughs> have people come out and put it together. And they did a terrible job, evidenced by all the leftover parts that were still in the bottom of the box when they were done. That is a very bad sign. Yeah, that's Ikea heartburn. Yeah, Mm. it's falling apart already, and it seemed like Uncle Chuck was not doing a very good job of dealing with it as the the handy man pleaded with him to not tell Wayfair that he would just come and fix it. No way, man. That's that's a bad deal. You could Um, not convince me to go to the URL (laughs) handy.com. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm just surprised they left the vowel in there, frankly. (laughs) Right. So Luke is feeling very proud of himself because he helped Uncle Chuck deal with it. He said, no, we're contacting Wayfair and they're going to make it better. And so that's that tangent. And we get back to um, this Kevin James things. And Luke continues the entire time to refer to kevin james as kevin can wait it's the name of the show but he just calls the character (laughs) kevin can wait every time (laughs) which kind of made me laugh and uh so they've gone to the second season and it's a year in the future and the wife is just dead and they don't really talk about it and i was just wondering luke kind of says it but but why is this female character just so disposable I don't know. It's a Kevin James sitcom. I noted that uh, maybe I haven't given King of Queens a really a fair shot because it's never appealed to me, but I just see Kevin James projects as dumb people yelling. I, that's all that it is to me. And Jerry Stiller yelled and Leah Remini yelled and Kevin James yelled dumbly. And that I, doesn't I believe me. occasionally Pat Oswalt yelled. <laughs> There's so much good TV out there. I don't know why these sort of shows exist. They don't hold any appeal to me anymore. I I used to love sitcom formulation when I was, I don't know, 10. I think some of this is um, the mindlessness of it. Yeah, sure. And then some of it is also that we 
overestimate American society sometimes, which explains a lot about the last year or so. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about the Will and Grace reboot? Because this is a conversation that we've been having at home. I never watched the original, but but Sam was just telling me last night, you know, kind of out of the blue, she just said, but I liked Will and Grace, you know, the first time around. And I mean, that was a much higher, I wouldn't say much higher brow sitcom, but it, it had higher moments that I assume King of Queen has. I'm talking out of my ass here because I've never really watched either show that much. I liked Will and Grace a lot. Um, I haven't gotten super into watching the the reboot, but I'll probably watch it at some point. Uh, I, th- I don't know if they're comparable. I think maybe it's a little... Yeah, I think you're right. Just the tiny amount of higher brow and better jokes uh, makes it a little more appealing to me than King of Queens ever was. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I watched the the pilot for the new... Will and Grace last night, just because I was curious, and I don't know, some self-satisfied white people. But yeah. I laughed, you know, self-satisfied liberal white people, anyway, making a right. lot of dumb jokes. Um, their faces look, um, boy, they're wearing a lot of makeup. Let's put it that way. <laughs> H- HD's not being kind to them? <laughs> not really. Yeah. Yeah, time is a bitch. Um Hmm. I just, uh, I don't know. I guess Sam and I will just go back to NCIS and Murdoch Mysteries, and uh, y'all can let us know if anything truly great happens on network television. We're still not done with Rick and Morty. By the way, we didn't buy the third season on Amazon um, because it's on demand, and I regret it because they beep out the swears. I'm actually considering buying the third season on Amazon just for the swears. Well, I mentioned last week briefly, but the sitcom that I started watching was The Good Place on NBC with Kristen Bell. Oh, and I want to see Dancing. that. I heard it's great. It is great. It's so funny, and I like it. And there were, I don't know, 12 or 13 episodes last season, and they're on Netflix now. And they just started the new season, and you can watch full episodes on the NBC app. So people can catch up if they want. Mm. It, it goes down smooth. Megan Amran writes for that show. Yes, she does. She's a producer and a writer. It's very funny. I like it a lot. I would say that we should start a podcast just suggesting TV to people, but then we would be every other <laughs> podcast on the internet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this has been TV Corner with LRV. Uh, all right. Uh, Luke gets off one good uh, spoof in this discussion where he says that um, that this uh, reimagining or reboot of Kevin Can Wait is it reinforces Mike Pence's worldview that men can't have women friends because it's all <laughs> set up for a romance. <laughs> That's great. Uh, then they say that the brownie story has been teased three days in a row and they're going to retire it, but Luke just can't quite let it go, so he goes into a quick overview where I thought he didn't explain it very well because he was. Um, trying so quickly to get through it but it was essentially a a discussion about brownie recipes in the new york times and in the comments a lady uh, i think posted her own recipe maybe and then talked about a a friend in germany she had been trying to help get the recipe right and then she said and this lady came to the usa and stole my husband and everyone went gaga over this comment and the reason that it came back lately is that it was the new york times moderating editors or whatever moderating team decided that this was their favorite comment of all time on the new york times website so 
that's where it comes from. And it turns out that that lady does not read comments. And so she had no idea that her comment was so popular. Huh. Yep. And there have been a couple of other stories where they went and talked to her and she told about how she found out that this German lady was having an affair with her husband. And it's really not about brownies, which was disappointing to me. Yeah, you didn't get a recipe out of this. No, I could go to the <laughs> New York Times if I wanted to, but I have plenty of brownie recipes to work with, frankly. We should talk to Andrea about doing an episode of her show about recipes embroiled in scandal. Ooh, <laughs> I like it. Are there more than this one? <laughs> I don't know, but I feel like well, some research could yeah, be done. There's the Neiman Marcus cookie story. That was definitely a weird scandal What's thing. What's that? Oh, I don't remember the specifics of it. Something about how Neiman Marcus had some very famous cookie and they would never give the recipe away, but they'd done someone wrong and that person got hold of the recipe and so they put it out over the internet to punish Neiman Marcus. It's all fake. I mean, it's not oh. a real story, but that's one of those things that makes its way around and around and around the the internet and it pops up every so often. People are like, oh, look at this Neiman Marcus cookie recipe. All right, so Andrea, talk to Anne, get this going. Mike Farnan, tell us about that little thing at the top of the, the music bed for donors. And let's see what else I can assign to our listeners by the end of the episode. Wagoneer's homework day. <laughs> <laughs> and then they get into this kind of weird no topic section where they're just talking about Seth MacFarlane's new sci-fi show and... Luke was talking about how he saw the commercials for that because he was watching football on Fox and how he doesn't want to know what Terry Bradshaw's take on the hashtag take a knee is because he, he figures that he doesn't have very much in common with Terry Bradshaw and that Terry is probably not that evolved of a person to which I say, ha jokes on you because Terry Bradshaw had a great response, a very liberal response to the whole NFL take a knee deal. You should watch it, Luke. Um, then they get to emails that, from Kelly about the guy who got uh, locked in the cave. She goes to what, University of Indiana. Was that what it was? I forgot already. Yeah. And, in Bloomington, yeah. Indiana. And she, so she's obsessed with this story because it's happening around her. And she has a couple of updates. Number one, the caving club has been suspended. I mean, until they learn to count. I was thinking all you would need would be like a sign-in sheet. And so everybody signed their name before they went into the cave. And then everybody signed their name when they come out of the cave. And you'd be covered. Uh, her number two update uh, is about the half-eaten Big Mac that they gave the kid when they found them. And Luke and Andrew were speculating about why he would want a Big Mac. And it's just because they happened to stop at McDonald's on their way out to the cave to see if he was there. And so they actually just had a half-eaten Big Mac. And that's why they gave it to him. Uh, and uh, 2A is that this kid has a pretty good sense of humor and that his parents probably are not going to sue. And Why then wouldn't Luke... they go on a rescue mission with some food and some water? Were they just expecting that he was going to be dead? Maybe they were just checking pro forma, like, well, he's not there, but we just have he's, to. We may as well just check yeah. it. I mean, if they really thought that he was there, I would guess they wouldn't stop at McDonald's on the way. You know, well, let's go get this guy, but I'm hungry first. There's no rush. <laughs> 
I mean, he's been there for three days. What's an extra half hour? Oh, boy. <laughs> and Luke can't resist, since they're talking about Bloomington, Indiana, uh, to... Uh, talk about the movie Breaking Away, which was made there, and it's something that he's referenced several times before in that he loves it. It's a really good cycling movie, and I've seen that too, and it is a pretty fantastic movie with a very young Dennis Quaid, which I can get behind. So if anybody's looking for something to watch, <laughs> I think that's from 1979, but it's great. And congratulations on saying number two update without giggling. <laughs> oh, Bobby, what am I going to do with you? <laughs> Uh, let's take him to Wednesday, 2477. Buddy, can you spare a secret show? Uh, Luke's at Walsh Walsh and Doormat, and Andrew has hung up a bunch of old dirty blankets, as he calls them, all over his walls to make a soundproof booth for their NPR Halloween show. Um, they uh, apparently recorded this episode later in the afternoon after this one. Um, really curious to, to hear how that turns out. Um and then they talk about Stu sending them a text calling them beautiful men about their long, 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 long Monday show. I maybe had the opposite reaction um, <laughs> to Stu, but Stu has a long commute and apparently likes to bash his head against the steering wheel when they're talking about sports. Uh, and Luke wonders about having a dance off with Piper, which I would love to see because she would kick his ass. That'd be so great. Yeah. Uh, and Luke offhandedly mentions that. Uh, because he can't ride his skateboard without telling us about it, that he spent the weekend riding it around the pool. <laughs> because he's really 10. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then they go to this secret show that they played. And I don't know when they played it. Uh, I, I did sign up for the secret shows. I did donate to get them. But I only remember the Arby's one. <laughs> I think I think they kind of fell off my radar after I the first know, month. Because I wasn't donating forgetting secret shows but i swear i've heard this one before well i don't think i have so the secret shows were uh 2013 i just pulled up the email from tbtl secret show gmail.com this was the email that announced the secret shows um and uh i haven't done this i didn't do this in prep so i'll just read it the email says hey there wonderful person Thanks so much for supporting TBTL this year. We've just received a big old shipment of flasks, shot glasses, and tote bags with your names on them. Not literally. That would have been really, really expensive. And we'll be sending them out to you very, very soon. In the meantime, your generous donation also entitles you access to our monthly secret show. Location, TBTL Secret Show at uh, .com. And that website now redirects to uh, the APM page, by the way. Just the general page. The password to access those shows was Chamber. I, don't, mm, I do remember that, chamber. but isn't the whole point of a secret show that you had to donate to get it, and now they're just putting it out for everybody? Yes, and yes. Okay, okay. Uh, I, I figured the date was somewhere around there because Luke mentions coconut water as if it's a brand new thing. So I was like, yeah, this must have been like early 20-teens. I don't remember a ton about the secret shows. I do have them all downloaded somewhere, so if somebody really, really wants to hear them, reach out, and I can see if I can Dropbox them to you. Um I remember some of them being better than this one, though. Like, if you're going to pick one to recycle, and the Arby's one's already off the table because you've used it, um, there's the one that they referenced, which I think was the first one, where Andrew ran a tractor trailer off the road. And uh, That would they, be a good one. Right? Mm -hmm. I believe that's the first one because this is the second one, and they just make a passing reference to that being in the first one when they say they didn't get any feedback. How do you not have feedback about that? 
Um, I feel like that would have been a better story, although maybe Andrew didn't want to tell that one. Well, they're at the roasting room at Cafe Vita, it sounds like, and they. it took me a while to understand the, what they were going for, but apparently um, they got an email from listener Bill who wants them to do a, a show about terrible songs, songs that they hate. <laughs> so this show is basically bad songs and poop stories. So really, really great. Um, great. Yeah. And they start out talking mostly about We Built the City on Rock and Roll. And the only thing I have to say about that one, it's one of my favorite Mondegreens, which is the misheard lyrics. And I, when I was a kid, I thought it was We Built the City on the Wrong Damn Road. <laughs> I thought it was a sad <laughs> song about municipal failures. Um, they talk a little bit about how it might be about Cleveland. Um, Luke says it's about San Francisco because they mentioned something about City by the Bay, which I thought was really hilarious in light of, you know, TBTL that has spanned between those two points in time. Mm -hmm. It was a Bay City, right? And uh, Luke talks about how he thought the Huey Lewis and the News song lyric was that the heart of rock and roll is in Cleveland. So it's a song about, also a song about Cleveland. It's still beating, I think, is the lyric. Not, it's in Cleveland. I swear to God uh, that there was Cleveland in there somewhere. Cleveland is name-checked in that song. Um, I am pulling up the lyrics now. There is a Cleveland reference uh, at the end of the song, but the heart of rock and roll, the heart of rock and roll is still beating in Cleveland, Detroit. Wow. Huh, the heart of rock and roll. So at the very end, there is a still beating in Cleveland, but it also name-checks you know, a dozen other cities. Okay. Including San Antonio, which I feel like is <laughs> cheating. That's oh, cheating. <laughs> uh, they discussed Jefferson Airplane, how it became Jefferson Starship and then became Starship. Um, Andrew, I forget which one of them. One of them loved Grace Slick and one of them did not. I think yeah, Andrew must have loved yeah, her. Yeah, Andrew loves her. And Luke did an impression of her singing badly. And they talk about that time in a young man's life. Uh, when he grows a long ponytail and wears a trench coat, reads Kerouac, uh, pulls a van couch out uh, to make it into a apartment couch, um, and puts pictures of Janine Groffalo on their walls. And I and think he, that's a phase we can all identify with. And he didn't have a girlfriend. Hmm. I'm shocked. I'm still waiting <laughs> for when I hit this phase. Sam's going to be pissed. <laughs> I'd like to see you with a ponytail, Bobby. Oh, God. Um, Luke wants to interview Andrew's friend, Tony, who introduced Andrew to Donovan and the Beatles and totally blew his mind and ushered in this phase. And uh, I don't know if that would be great. Andrew even says, like, eh, he mumbles a lot. He's a weirdo. <laughs> yeah, I don't like Tony. Andrew has said a few things about him that make me think that he probably wasn't actually a very good friend to Andrew. Yeah, it sounds like he was the one who kind of ignored him at school, but was friends with him out of school. Those are not mm-hmm. good friends. Yeah, that's mean. Um, the other songs that they had mentioned were Plush by Stone Temple Pilots, which I agree is a horrible song, and Butterfly by Crazy Town, which, again, foreshadowing. <laughs> it's all about context. Yeah. Um, but they don't go into those songs really much at all. But we do get to listen to some Butterfly. Oh, that was great. 
Um, they throw it to other general bands and songs that they don't like. And Andrew says that he really doesn't like Bare Naked Ladies. He doesn't like their faux clever attitude and says that their songs don't age well. Um, but I think Luke was right when he said that the Vendor diagram between TBTL fans and Bare Naked Ladies fans is probably a perfect circle. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I used to love them. They would come through Grand Rapids almost every year for a while when I was a teenager around my birthday. And so that was pretty much what I always did for my birthday from, I don't know, 14 to 18. Mm-hmm. They're great. Yeah. And I have a question. Did Venn Diagram make the list for bingo squares? Oh, shit. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, there's going to have to be bingo part two. Yeah. We're just going to keep coming up with these. Yeah, Bare Naked Ladies was like a like such a huge part of my teenage years. I think it, yeah. probably the first CD I ever owned was, was a Bare Naked Ladies CD. <sighs> what was mine? Mine was probably Tori Amos. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, that's, sounds about right. Seems uh, appropriate for our ages. Yeah, yeah. but Bare Naked Ladies was probably up up there too. Uh, I had all their, I had all their CDs. I loved them. Um, Luke also discusses how much he hates that time of the season song by the Zombies. It's creepy and dumb. I agree, it's very creepy. I don't hate it, but the lyrics are weird. Uh, and Luke makes a strange helicopter noise with his mouth. <laughs> So they clearly plan this this show to a T. Um, and then uh, they, they decide that idea is uh, tapped out. So they go to uh, listener Alex's idea. And she wants another pants crapping story. Alex. Thanks a lot. So Luke tells a really awful story about how he was somewhere in the south in a rental car going from the airport to the hotel and had a sudden bout of intestinal distress out of nowhere and was actually considered crapping in a pond near the hotel. But there were geese, and he was afraid of them because he thought they might think it was a mating ritual. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yep. Because the geese just wouldn't know. <laughs> he miraculously managed to get to his hotel room in time, just in the nick of time. And he, he said some really uh, yuck things that I'm not going to repeat because I know Anne will hate it. Uh, and Andrew wonders if Luke has Crohn's because he really has far too many of these close calls. And I agree. I mean, this happens a few times in a person's life, but it seems to happen to Luke a lot. And he says that he just holds it in too long. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, well, yeah. I, can, I and, can think his diet probably doesn't help when he goes yeah. four days eating pepperoni sticks and cheese sticks and then eats and only drinks alcohol yeah (laughs) i think he's not really regulating his system very well probably yeah i wouldn't blame that on crohn's (laughs) um luke said something that annoyed me uh when he asked andrew if his bathroom habits change when he travels and andrew said that they did and luke said dude you're a woman uh fuck off luke That's a stupid thing to say because Andrew's, his habits change when he's travels. There's actually legitimate reasons for that. Uh, other than being just a dumb lady, there are food reasons and gut bacteria reasons and all sorts of other reasons. It's not because you're a woman. Um, and then for some reason, Luke mentions a story about the mummy doing a bunch of acid at some sort of festival and feeling like he couldn't go into the porta potty because somebody else was in another one. It's back when we got mummy stories. Yeah. Uh, I R. feel I like I, I can't go in a porta potty anyway because that's just too disgusting to be believed. Well, because it's a porta potty, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no drugs, no drogas uh, required. Yeah. Nope. And that's Wednesday. All right, let's move to Thursday, number 2478, Sabermetric Shenanigans. Um, so, 
Olive can now get onto the roof. Uh, we knew that because Luke had to climb up on the roof last week and get her down. But the latest twist is that she can get onto the roof and then somehow into the attic. And when she gets into the attic, she gets stuck. So they have to go down and let her out. This just keeps getting better and better and better. There's an appalling lack of concern for how she's getting into the attic. Because if she can get into the attic, that means squirrels can get into the attic. Uh That means raccoons can get into the attic. And that means there's definitely going to be some sort of dead creature saga later this winter. I'm calling it here. Yuck. Yeah, that's worrisome. Uh, Then Andrew wants to know, is it okay to tease an upcoming announcement on Facebook to your friends? Of course it is. Sure. Yeah. Why not? not? It was pretty vague. It was Aaron Roden, by the way, who uh, put up that post. Because I saw it before they mentioned it, and so I'm sure it's the same one. Um, oh, I figured you were just going to sleuth it out either way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Turns out I knew. I was like, Bobby's on no, uh, it. I was like, I'll wait and see what Bobby finds. I don't feel like looking. No, Aaron, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm honored that that's my position in this team. Uh, big... Awesome, rad, intense, crazy, fantastic announcement coming Monday, is what Aaron wrote. So so it's probably about a show? Probably, or something. Yeah. I would think as long as it's a like a positive announcement, there's no harm in it at all. If it was like, big, crazy uh, announcement coming Monday, I have cancer. I think mean, that's a right. little weird. I'm getting a divorce. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't do that, but I don't know why Andrew's really upset about that. Then... Toying with emotions. Well, could be, I guess. Uh, And then my favorite part of the week, Luke is on a new 100 push-ups a day regimen. And I think you forgot what the word favorite means. (laughs) (laughs) Did anybody want to, like, do the under-over on how long this is going to last? Oh, I bet he forgets about it by Monday. Yeah, it's already done. I mean, I, I was amused that he said that he'd done um, two sets, and so now he had to do number 20 to 30, and I was like, no, 21 to 30 is what mm-hmm. you're doing. <laughs> and he got down on the floor and, um, and did the push-ups right then and there, and I did think he was kind of breathing a little bit on the heavy side for a guy who just did only 10 push-ups. He knocked them out really quickly, though. I guess so. Well, it's like what he talked about uh, when they were on the road trip and the drone was filming him jog and he didn't like it because he didn't want people to see how slow he really ran. So he was trying to run faster. I assume he was trying to push those push-ups out real fast so that we would think he's a cool guy. (laughs) Mm. Um, They do the donors of the day and Andrew starts making... I call them catchphrases. They weren't really catchphrases for the donors of the day. Some rhymes in order to encourage them to listen to TBTL, I guess. Um, Some of them were actually pretty good. And then they go on a very long tangent. This felt like a Friday tangent, even though it was Thursday, that involved talking about the soundtrack for the 80s Hobbit cartoon, Uh, Andrew's teacher who showed the jerk in class because Andrew urged her to do it. Then Luke's teacher who never returned even one assignment during the year, which we've heard that story before. Uh, And 
that one teacher who was young and very attractive that was at every school. And I guess Andrew's teacher that showed the jerk was the young and attractive one, if I followed that correctly. But they're right. There is always one. Yeah. Well, of course. And it's it's all about relativity. So in a group of 30 teachers, yes, the hottest one is going to be the hot one. It's just mm-hmm. how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I was in 11th grade and I was in pre-calculus, we had a student teacher who was finishing up his training or whatever. And he, so he's whatever, 23 and he was blonde and baby faced and he was from a Christian university nearby. And those kids ate him alive. I was so uncomfortable watching it happen because he was just like a defenseless baby animal in that classroom. And the girls and these are the smart kids, you know, we're in the advanced math classes. The girls were like sexual predators and the guys just made fun of him. And it was all done with just the nastiest tinge of superiority. And and I hated it. And I was just like... I would like to learn my pre-calculus and be respectful and get out of here. And can we stop this? So there is weird dynamics when the teacher is attractive sometimes. Yikes. I didn't have that experience. Well, in fifth grade, there was a teacher. I think he was our student teacher and he kind of took over for our main teacher for some reason. I was 10. So what do I know? But his name was Mr. Bass and he looked a lot like Phil Collins, which explains my attraction. (laughs) Um, and I just thought he was the smartest, funniest man on earth. And, uh, the only thing I knew about him was that he liked football. And so when I think it was the end of the year rolled around, or maybe it was before Christmas break, I wanted to get him a gift. And so we, my mom took me to the store and I got him a football shaped, uh, sausage. And so that was my gift to my teacher. I had a crush on like a sausage sausage for eating. Like probably a summer sausage kind of thing, just shaped like a football and had white hashes on it. Oh, that's kind of sweet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I never got a sausage for my hot sub. I don't have. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. All right. Let's move on to the top story for the day. The Velcro company wants you to stop calling it all Velcro. They want you to refer only to their brand as velcro brand hook and loop fastening um and they have made a terrible music video to get us to stop i mean luke and andrew say parody i say terrible and it has an f-bomb in it so they're pretty blown away that they would be edgy like that and in something that is clearly designed to go viral to spread the word that we should call it hook and loop or hook and ladder if you're andrew fastening (laughs) (laughs) just so people on podcasts will talk about velcro that's what's going on here no one's ever going to stop calling it velcro sorry no well i started because they they did reference that these sorts of things have happened before like with kleenex and xerox and q-tip they just want you to not refer to all of it as that one brand and i started wondering why because i luke or andrew said you think that that would be a good thing that your brand has become so associated with that item that it's just taken over the market and so i did a little research because i am a nerd and um there's a thing called trademark genericization 
I may have added an extra syllable in there. When um, and companies can actually lose their trademarks because their brand has become so identified with the object. And so uh, in order to stop that from happening, they have to do a couple of things. And number one is they have to show that they've tried really hard to keep people from making that broad association. Oh. So that's what this is about. The other thing is to sue, sue, sue people for trademark infringement. But so I think that the makers of Velcro brand hook and loop fastening have no intention of convincing us that that's the way we need to refer it. They just need to be able to say, hey, look, we tried so that they can maintain their trademark. Okay. So, yep. And it has the ad benefit that now we're all talking about Velcro, but <laughs> okay. Um, and they talk about Luke wants to know, yeah, how, how, can you tell if you have like Velcro shoes, if it's Velcro brand or not, how are you supposed to make that distinction? And, <laughs> and you're, a good point. you're not. Um, and, oh yeah, is this going to have any effect? They don't think it's going to work. And none of us think it's going to work. I mean, if Maggie's response on the Stens page is any indication, <laughs> I believe she said something to the effect of over my dead body. Will I ever call it a <laughs> <laughs> loop fastening? <laughs> Moving into emails for the day. There's one on the subject of towels from James, who says that there are things called fingertip towels. <laughs> and Luke says that's more towels that I need. And uh, they look it up, and it turns out that uh, fingertip towels went with finger bowls, which made a lot of sense. And Andrew has been to restaurants that use finger bowls in between courses. Have you guys ever been to a restaurant that fancy? Because I haven't. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Sure. Wow. Yeah, there's so, and it doesn't necessarily even mean fancy. Like, if you go to an Ethiopian place, the whole oh, deal is you're eating so. your whole meal with your hands because they have that spongy bread and then you scoop things up with the bread and just eat it with your hands. You don't even get utensils. So it's important for your hands to be clean and you'll get a little bowl of, of kind of soapy water. Um, and that's really nice. Um, the other thing that I really like is the hot towels they give you at, at sushi places. Um, not guaranteed to be eating with your hands, but maybe sometimes. I always figured it was like uh, back to medieval eating when you had your trenchers of bread and whatever. And they always used to have like finger bowls and stuff after that. But I guess I hadn't thought about uh, other cultures with the foods. Sounds like we need to um, take an LRB outing either to an Ethiopian restaurant or to medieval times. <laughs> I'm down for I'm either, either way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, from that, they get into talk about wings. And this was absolutely befuddling. I guess the idea of cleaning your fingers leads into the idea of eating wings and how messy it is. And how Andrew had a situation recently where the wings were so saucy, as he says, that he used a napkin per wing, to which I say, what is wrong with you? He is not eating wings right. <laughs> you just like mash them in the general direction of your face and hope that it goes in the hole. Bobby. I wasn't going to say well, there anything. There's a couple. So there, you could do that, right? And make a total mess. You could eat them like a normal human being and get probably a little sauce on your face and then wait till the end and then clean it off. It's so strange. Come on. I mean, they're doing this at probably like sports bar type restaurants. I could see if you were at home and you were channel searching and you wanted a clean hand to use the remote. 
but I don't, this is so weird. Like he just attacks those wings like a starving animal or something. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's a whole discussion about how you can order them in order to not be too saucy. And there's dry versus crispy and it's like they're talking about two separate things and I do not understand it at all and oh we did get to throw your phone on this from Don who says Luke and Andrew both believe that chicken wings are fried after they are sauced how do they believe this have they never seen how frying works I've been baffled by this all day I agree this has also been confusing me I think we have to remember that neither one of them actually knows how to cook yeah. I mean, let's set stock talk aside and grilling True. aside. I don't think they really know very well how to cook or what goes into that. So, Well, I, deep frying is something usually hopefully reserved for restaurants. And if they've never worked in a kitchen, they're not going to know how it works. Well, I mean, no, I, don't I, you I, just say, go ahead. I have to interrupt here because a couple of notes. One, Don. Thank you. And I didn't mention it earlier because I figured I'd save it for now. But uh, Dawn was in Boston. I had lunch with her earlier this week. She's delightful. I know you guys have met her, too. Um, And I am so glad that she submitted this. Just a great reminder on how great Dawn is. Um, Mm -hmm. Even if they've never worked a deep fryer, these guys watch a lot of NFL football. And the B-roll bumping in and out of every Bills game ever in Buffalo has been them frying and then tossing wings and hot sauce at Anchor Bar in Buffalo. <laughs> so whether they realize it or not, they have watched chicken wings be prepared dozens of times. I Don't you just say sauce on the side and that's it? You don't need to say well, anything else, right? Okay. There's a methodology here. May I? Uh, Please. First of all, always... Wait, wait. Re- pull, pull the whiteboard over. Get your markers. <laughs> We're going to use some diagrams. It's not that complicated. Always order your wings well done. Just always. They're better, crispier. Just well done. You don't have to say dry, crispy, well done. If you're getting them in a restaurant, order them well done and sauced. Don't be that weirdo who's dipping wings one at a time. It's not fried chicken. It's wings. Just well done. If you're getting them at home, if you're getting them pickup or delivery, order them well done and then just get them with no sauce. And put your own Franks and butter on it. So much easier. They won't get soggy on your way home. I guess you could get the sauce on the side and toss it, but you will make better sauce than they will send you. Almost always. Unless you live in Buffalo, make your own sauce. It's not hard. But if you're eating it at the bar, just eat them before they get soggy. This is like saying, oh, my beer got warm because I spent an hour and a half drinking it. Just eat the wings before they get soggy. End of lecture. That makes a surprising okay. amount of sense. I don't know about that, Bobby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, maybe you should take me on a wing-eating tutorial. I don't know. I would be happy to, Anne. We need some demonstration here. I don't quite understand. We'll go. We'll make the most of it. So next LRB meetup, we'll go somewhere with good wings. Okay. And not Fart Marble 21, where the AM21 wings are <laughs> 10 bucks. <laughs> But the flavor choices are ginger teriyaki, barbecue, or habanero. No. Yeah, no, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's move on to a voicemail from the Stewbot. He wants 
to clarify a few things. Number one, he sincerely loves the long shows, as Luke and Andrew were pondering whether his compliments were facetious or not, but he does actually really love the long shows, uh, especially since it's usually about sports because there's a no-point conversion tacked on the end. Uh, he wants to say, re Green Bay Packer fans, uh, they're all very nice people. He's had positive interactions with them, but he does feel that they should all be in the space jail from Superman 2. <laughs> Which is so oh, great. There is a little bit of debate over exactly what the space jail was. And thankfully, they arrived at the correct answer, which was it was that flat two-dimensional um, spinning plane of glass in space. Uh, and then there is some uh, talk about the Vikings quarterback situations, which he compares what's in one of them's knee to the goo from Poltergeist. <laughs> which I was really <laughs> out of that. <laughs> and uh, finally, uh, someone, the brother of someone that Stu works with at Surly is a 10 in Colorado, apparently. So now word about Stu's involvement with TBTL has gotten around the surly offices. And he got called into a meeting recently with, hey, Stubot, get in here. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Someday I'm going to go over to Surly on my lunch break because it's not that far. It's just off the university campus. And I'm going to see if I'm going to ask for the Stubot and see what it gets me. Oh, do it. Then there is some what I called sneak sport ball talk at the end here. And yeah. Luke, or is it? No, it's Luke is mad at Brock or Salk, whichever. I don't know. For responding to his Mariners hate tweets with actual statistics, because that has no place in Luke's anger. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Luke embodied everything I hate about sports fans who refuse to acknowledge the importance of analytics in this moment, you know, right. Uh, mm -hmm. If a, if a player has a low batting average, he must be bad. If a pitcher has uh, more losses than wins or a lot of losses in general, he must be bad. It has no context, nothing to do with anything else going on on the field. Uh, Luke is, he's like a, like an old man who's been watching baseball his whole life and, doesn't believe these whippersnappers with their fancy new numbers. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Right. Uh, we get a voicemail from Aaron on the subject of coconut LaCroix. Uh, even though Luke and Andrew basically said that that flavor was butt the other day, she actually loves it. It's her favorite, and she loves to mix it with pineapple juice, which sounds pretty good to me, too. I actually mm -hmm. don't like LaCroix at all. I I don't know what it is. I just don't like the flavors, but um, I would try that. Uh, then there's, I don't, how did they even get into this? Somebody's Uber driver or something was saving up to buy a Chick-fil-A franchise. And Luke says one of the great things about Chick-fil-A is that if you own one, you have to work 40 hours a month there so that you can remain, I guess, in touch with the customers and the business and how that is not the case at Burger King, because now rather than individual franchisees, they're mostly owned by corporations. And then they end the show with the Stevie Wonder song, which was so awesome. It made me yeah. so happy. Mm -hmm. Made the whole day worth it. More of that, please. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Friday, 2479, the Burp, Burp King of Valley City, Ohio. Uh, pretty great name. Um, we start out talking about how 
Luke is incredulous that anybody would ever let their phone ring and uh, that they should pretty much always be on silent. Um, I don't know about that. He thinks it's like an act of aggression when somebody's phone rings or a scandal. Um, mine's on silent some of the time, but uh, it's usually because I forgot to turn my watch off of silent, which also silences <laughs> my phone. So it's usually an accident. Um, we got a, uh, a throw your phone from listener Farron who said, I just, oh, it was a hug my phone. I just hugged my phone during Friday's discussion of how everyone should keep their phone on silent at all times and never conduct personal or work business out loud in public via speakerphone. I often get frustrated with Luke and Andrew's assorted choices in regards to considering fellow humans with their behaviors, but this made my heart happy. Yeah, uh, having a conference call on speakerphone on an airplane is terrible etiquette. No, that's that is ridiculous. That's awful. And that's what headphones are for. Yeah, and. And not even necessarily speaker phones, but like loud conversations on the bus. Mm-hmm. That's really, uh, that's, it's no good. That's all I got to it, say. It's, it's no terrible. Good. It's no good. Well, and especially when there's a, 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 a twinge of listen to how interesting my conversation is. Mm. You get that sometimes where people think that they're just so important and so interesting that everybody wants to listen to them. Yep. Um, and then they talk a little bit about how uh, listening to people on other people's conversations on airplanes is unbearable, but they do like to overread people's text conversations and or look at their uh, laptop screens while they're sitting in front of them on a plane. <laughs> and Andrew tells a story about taking a photo of a guy's screen so he could zoom in on it and figure out what he was doing with his graphs and his various <laughs> spreadsheets. Uh, and it turns out the guy worked in antiquities. Um, and they talk about Googling strangers when you're sitting right next to them and how careful you have to be to not let them see and then to not reveal any of that information that you just dug up on them. Bobby, have you ever done this? That's an interesting uh, moment that you would automatically choose to throw to me so quickly. <laughs> well. Of course. I assume you know what I paid for my mortgage. So I think you're the obvious choice here. Uh, yes. Of course, uh, I have uh, let my curiosity about people around me lead me to either Googling them or trying to take a picture of them without them noticing. Most recently on the commuter rail just this week, um, I was coming into Boston and I had some meetings in the downtown part of the city. So instead of bringing in my car, I went in on the train and I found myself sitting across the train car um from someone who was making weird sort of creepy smile faces and holding his hands up near his face and then just snacking on a quart size package of little baby carrots and peppers. Not even cut he up. He looked so happy and nice. He looked like the sweetest man ever. So weird. He had his hands, his fingers locked, and then just his pinkies out. <laughs> and- <laughs> yep. <laughs> I would make it the show picture, except I'm a little too weirded out to make it the show picture, but I'll post it on the thread when we put the show up. But this guy, um, I don't know. I So, yes. The answer is yes. Right? I'm a creeper. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But I'm very uh, stealthy about it. So, there's that. Um, they talk about how uh, somebody oversaw that the guy's wife was in his phone as Babby and how stupid that was. And I don't think that's stupid at all. That could be a joke. That could be a pet name. That could be short for Barbara, right? Exactly. I guess. <laughs> I mean, there's all sorts of things that could be other than stupid. His wife is literally Barbara Streisand. Yeah. Yeah. 
obviously. That's fine. Uh, What are you and Duff's phone as, Meredith? Meredith Mahan. (laughs) (laughs) And he is in my phone as Duff Mahan. (laughs) I have a weird completion thing about that. I can't put nicknames in my phone. Um, I'm in Sam's phone as Music Man. So I, I have been in her phone as Music Man since we met because we met at the Buffalo Phil. And I think early on. Uh, I made like a 76 trombones joke or something. I don't, I don't remember the context for exactly why I ended up on her phone that way, but uh, I am. So there you go. All right. And yeah, so maybe he was just sitting next to James Brolin. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, we get a side note that some professional organization wants Luke and one of the kids he interviewed for his cup stacking story named PJ to come be the entertainment for their business breakfast. And he's going to go because he's going to get paid and get to stay at a nice hotel. So we'll look forward to the report back on that. Um, and Luke also... It sounds sort of weird, doesn't it? Kind of. I think I, I don't really get the structure. I'm assuming that Luke will be hosting and the kid will be doing his cup stacking. But, but the cup stacking lasts like 45 seconds, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't what, what are they going to do for the other 19 minutes and 15 seconds? <laughs> That'll be Luke uh, stalling, I guess, or maybe doing his how to be reasonable in unreasonable times speech. Right. Let's hope. Yeah, I hope he wears Let's his hope. Oregon Banking Association pullover to it. <laughs> Luke also mentions uh, for no very apparent reason, I don't think, that it's annoying when people list two cities in their Twitter profiles. Let's get a little too um, detail oriented on these things, I think. Who cares? Uh, and then top beef for the day is uh, the 71, very specific number that is probably designed to exclude Luke, uh, famous UW grads from the Seattle PI, and it includes people like Amanda Knox, Ken Jen, um, Anna Ferris, Anna Ferris, he just calls her Anna the whole time. Anna Ferris, um, says yeah. Luke Burbank. Yeah, I know. So uh, that's Bruce my note. Lee. I've I've corrected him on this before on the show. Not that he listens to it, but you have got to stop name dropping Anna Ferris if you can't say her name correctly. He was in a class with her, which he never stops reminding us, and he still can't say her name right. He's seen her in real life. Um, that list also includes people who invented things like MySpace and MS DOS, but they for some reason don't acknowledge the genius that is Luke Burbank. Um, <laughs> He didn't care about any of this uh, before somebody nominated him for some sort of communications department, like graduate of note award, and he was rejected. So suddenly he cares a lot. So this is just uh, this is just pain <laughs> coming through <laughs> for him being not acknowledged. Just sad. Um, and it, it is kind of harsh that a lady who killed herself in Heaven's Gate is on that list and Luke is not. <laughs> it's pretty terrible. Well, he's he's just the university of washington's uh 72nd most famous alumni exactly i mean they have to cut it off somewhere guys yeah can't have 72 people on a list um luke talks about richard karn who is the sidekick guy on home improvement and how much he hated his speech and it has uh uh informed his uh, feelings about public speaking from then on because it was such a bad thing he doesn't want to be that person just i that makes me kind of sad that guy seems Mm -hmm. sweet yeah, I liked um, him. I watched Home Alone. I yeah, mean, I did not too. Home Alone, Home Improvement. Home Improvement. Well, I watched <laughs> yeah. both of those things, but yeah. I don't think Richard Carn was him. in Home Alone. He was my favorite character in Home Improvement. He was a sweet man. Did you guys see Jack Taylor's post? 
Yes, amazing. Oh, amazing. Yes. So this, guys, this is in the Stens page. You can go find it. But Jack Taylor uh, was at the University of Washington in the same timeline as Richard Karn, and they overlapped on some shows and projects and things. Um, Wasn't it high and, school? Oh, excuse me, high school. And um, Jack has what he believes is the oldest existing autograph from Richard Karn, then Rick Wilson Higgins? Rick Wilson? the scenario mm-hmm. here he was playing Rick Higgins in... right in the staging okay. of magnum pi right yeah yes <laughs> that was it <laughs> sorry you oh, say adorable. higgins that's all i can think <laughs> no my fair lady obviously but yeah rick wilson uh go see this post and of course maybe did jack taylor go to the university of washington because then he would be the 72nd most famous oh that's true. And oh, Luke right. would be 73rd mm-hmm. right of course um the other people on that list include Jeff Dowd, um, upon whom the dude is based, and J.P. Patches, apparently some sort of TV clown, um, whose sidekick was named Gertrude. They talk about that for a bit, uh, totally over my head. But um, then that brings them in to talk about Tim and Eric being on Colbert dressed as clowns, and they play some of that tape, and apparently they are uh, claiming to have a new show called Bedtime Stories, which is clowns uh, teaching kids how to deal with divorce. So, sounds pretty Tim and Eric. Uh, The top story for today is that cows uh, burp and fart out a lot of methane every day, and there are more and more cows, and it's becoming a problem. Um, But instead of focusing on that, we talk more about burps and how to get rid of them. Um, They do a futile internet search that uh, gives them a bunch of useless information about how to avoid burping, but they want to know how to stop them once they occur. And I don't think it's Alka-Seltzer or antacids. Um, and that brings them to burp talk uh, regarding burping the alphabet. Luke asks Andrew if he could do it. And Andrew says, no, I didn't have any friends. And I've said this on this show before, um, but finally Luke did, which is he said, yes, you do have friends. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I did. <laughs> He did have friends with you. He had a few friends. Um, Just wasn't uh, including the burp king of Valley City, hence the show title. Um, I had an older brother, so of course I could burp the alphabet. Uh, That was probably one of the first life skills my my brother ever taught me, and it served me well. An LRB secret show. (laughs) (laughs) We were more of an armpit fart household. Yeah, we could do that too, but burping was was a time-honored tradition in my household. For some reason, we we grew up in the kind of household where farting was not funny. It was not encouraged or laughed at. It was not like it was extremely impolite and it was like not not a joke at all. But burps were for some reason completely acceptable at the dinner table. Like they were <laughs> wild about table manners, but we could burp as much as we wanted <laughs> and everyone would chuckle. <laughs> so I have I have a soft spot in my heart for for comical burps, well-timed burps. I think they're great. Although burping the alphabet eventually the sound becomes really horrible and mm-hmm. I can't I can't listen to it anymore. That was something I stopped doing when I was like 8, I think. Bobby, can you burp the alphabet? Uh I've it's been a long time since I tried. I mean, I I assume I can because I'm a boy and I'm gross. Yeah. Um but uh yeah, I don't have great burp or fart commentary. Uh it was all hilarious when I was a kid because I grew up with a very uh, elementary level uh, base humor. I think it's the Canadian in me. No offense to any Canadian listeners, but um, 
for people who are familiar, and I think this may have come up before, I grew up watching the new Red Green show on PBS, which is a Canadian um, sort of backwoods rednecky comedy show. And um, all of that was fair game in our house for laughter. Mm-hmm. Um, I have since matured greatly and save it for moments when Sam's least expecting it to make her laugh. <laughs> <laughs> and I assume that's not in your wheelhouse? No, really not. No. Mm-mm. Can you still armpit fart though? Oh, I could never armpit fart. It was my oh, brothers who ah. could armpit fart. One of them could do an armpit fart and a knee pit fart at the same time. Oh, sure, yeah. He had two wow. sources. That That's is skill. Impressive. <laughs> I feel like as statisticians, the alphabet would be too easy. You should see how many digits you can burp pi out to. Oh, that's a good idea. Uh, they search the internet for ways to stop the burps and get very upset that there's no good ideas. But they do mention that Sean DeTore used to get the repeats all the time. That was the first time I heard that term with Sean saying mm-hmm, it, yeah. and I still mm-hmm. think it's funny. Um, and it turns out he has celiac disease, so maybe not so funny. <laughs> <laughs> but the repeats are good. Yes. Uh, they talk a little bit about Livewire um, and the next episode that's going to have Lynn Shelton on it. I'm excited to listen to that. And how the house band was going to play Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi, and Luke was really excited, but then they changed it to Every Little Thing She Does is Magic by the Police, and he's a little bit bummed, but that's still a good song. Uh, And they talk about the Living on a Prayer video, uh, how those kind of um, behind-the-scenes or backstage montage videos were were Luke's favorite kind of music video. And this really uh, gives Andrew an idea, and he basically has every shot planned out already for the live wire version of this behind the scenes video of Luke getting ready for a live wire show. And that actually sounds like a great idea. I would love to see that. Yeah. That, that It'd be a good be promo great. for them. Mm-hmm. These guys nailed it. I mean, with every HBO um, comedy special, they're absolutely right. It starts with the exact yes. same sequence of, of the process for the whole day. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then we go on to emails where we discuss a lot of really great emails from listeners. Oh, wait, no. We just talk about Howard Stern for a half an hour. Oh, my God. Whenever they're like, no, we don't have time to do emails and then spend bingo. half an hour talking this about Bingo. This is bingo, yeah. yeah. Bingo. Howard Stern. Okay. Uh, and then Music for Your Weekend, Luke gives us Britney Spears' How I Roll. That no. was terrible. Mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> Not my bag. Uh, but Andrew gives us Black Street, No Diggity. It's always good to hear that one, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, that song never gets old. I don't care even if it is dated. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And then listener Dave gives us Wolf Parade, You're Dreaming, which is pretty good. Mm -hmm. And that's Friday. All right. I don't know if my voice can do the real housekeeping. I tried to do it earlier and it wasn't great. Um, Do you want me to do it for you? I would love that. Housekeeping. (laughs) Lovely. Yes, thank you. All right, Wagoneers, you know where to buy stuff, littleredbandwagon.com, pick up your merch, or win bingo, and then you can pick merch uh, of your choosing. Keep on archiving for us. You can always email us about that. Uh, Buy stuff on Amazon at littleredbandwagon.com slash Amazon, and soon enough, we'll do another show where we round up your purchases. Take a listen to our friends over at Earbuds and Earworms, the latest episode They've gone a whole year now, and their latest episode is actually a goodbye to co-host Jason. Um, Jason's moving on to other projects, but the show will continue, and uh, he's being sent out by songs suggested by Ear Buddies, their listeners. So tune in for that, and as a selfless plug, 
Um, I'm going to be doing the same thing that Mike and Phyllis have done in previous episodes on e e coming up soon. So you can hear some embarrassing songs from my iPod, uh, at least my figurative iPod, in the near future. As always, send us your favorite clips for our year-end review of LRB so that we don't have to host shows around the holidays. <laughs> if you want to get involved with the show, you can visit our website at littleredbandwagon.com. Send your uh, throw your phones or hug your phones to throwyourphone.com. Visit us on Facebook, um, our page or the Stens page. Our show Twitter is at LRB Podcast. You can email us at littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. Send us a voicemail or a text at 802-432-TBTL. That's 802-432-8285. That is also where you're going to call to let us know you got a bingo, right? Mm-hmm. I cannot wait for those. All right. Until next time, this is the next party. We love you, Jen. Nailed it. I think the housekeeper just nailed it. Yeah. <laughs>